You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Who put those orange cones there? Greg Hectus. I don't know how to follow that up. And Tony Gross. Evening, gentlemen. Hey. On the show this week, we'll be unpacking all the new content from the Season 4 build, including new tracks, new cars, and all the other updates, including the addition of adding AI cars to hosted races. We'll add in some hardware to the mix and get some clues as to what's coming up in next year's NASCAR NIS schedule. We also love to remind you that you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products that we're discussing. Go visit iRacersLounge.com and select show notes. We do hope to see you there. GridFinder 2.0 is bigger and better than ever with more ways to narrow your search for your next sim racing league. Featuring over 1,000 leagues from over 25 racing sims across every platform, your place on the grid is just a couple clicks away. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder, the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com So we have five new cars, 11 new tracks, hosted sessions joining iRacing AI, and uh, for the 2021 season, many other things. Yeah, our stories this week, we kind of left in chronological order because a lot of information has come out. And this was one of the first things after the show last week that came out just to uh, a summary article, as you would call it. But I think the next one, David, is where I was pretty excited, you know, because I'm an oval guy. But how about Hickory Speedway? Um, they, they said it's finally here, uh, joining uh, 2021 season four. Check it out. And we got a YouTube video. We also have it on the Twitter. Uh, pretty cool little short track. Looks like it might be fun. Now I've seen some TV uh, races on TV at this track, um, so it looks familiar. You know, when you see it on the iRacing video. Um, it'll be interesting. I don't know if the Cup cars will go there anytime soon, but I, I bet you uh, the majors will probably try to hold something here uh, next year. They like to do those historical track races. I would guess that something like uh, Adam from our team would probably race on this track with uh, the late models or whatever, right? Probably. Street stock, late model, you know, those kind of cars for sure. It kind of reminds me of the North Wilkesboro with the way the wall looks, um, different colors and stuff. But that was uh, the kind of the way they did it back then. Kind of reminds me, like even looking at this track, kind of reminds me we have we have a couple small short tracks here in Canada that are kind of like this. I mean, obviously all these little small tracks are kind of the same because they're low budget places that uh, are high expect like high uh, high fun tracks to drive. Iracing doesn't have Memphis, does it? That one, now, that one would be fun to, to run. Now, we've covered uh, sporadic stories about this track um, where, as far as the um, billboards. So re- along the backstretch, they have a whole line of billboards. And 
we've talked about stories where companies um, advertise with Hickory directly to get on those billboards before iRacing did the scan, purposely trying to get into iRacing scan. Now, one of those billboards is none other than trading paints. And so um, earlier today, trading paints actually put on Twitter, uh, the best person who you know gets the best screenshot with the trading paints, you know, billboard in the background, you know, you're going to win a contest or something. And, uh, so it's pretty cool. Uh, and I think there was another sim company, one of the, the chassis companies uh, also did a, a billboard. Sim seats, maybe? It'd be, I'm not sure why uh, iRacing just doesn't straight up sell certain billboard space on the tracks that isn't taken up in the real life track, right? Is it maybe just a conflict of interest having a random sign that might not have anything to do with that city or whatever maybe i don't know it's just i think having it uh authentic may be the most thing that they want to try maybe trying to sell sponsorship space isn't their end goal i like it the snapshot in time okay this is what it was when we scanned it and you know if that's a snapshot in time we shouldn't change it well, um, one thing that does have a sponsor sold is the uh, iRacing World of Outlaws Laws, uh, Sprint Car World. Uh, they're doing the championship return, or the championship is returning, and the qualifying series has been announced. It's sponsored by NOS. Um, the qualifying series is going to start on September 20th at Cedar Lake. Um, the Speedway is um, going to the. I'm sorry, I'm reading on screen. I'm reading and getting tongue twisted here. It's starting on September 20th at uh, Cedar Lake Speedway and concludes on October 25th at Kokomo. Uh, then on November 15th, they're going to begin the championship at Volusia. So six races. These are official races anybody can enter. And uh, you get one drop and your best five count, top 20, move on. I've never been into to drive in these world of outlaws, but I've always liked watching a lot of their, their events. Cause they, they seem to be really competitive races and fun to watch because of how, how well the dirt seems to race on iRacing. Yeah, it is going to be fun to watch and that's going to go through November, December and January. So that's going to be something for us to talk about on our show uh, through the winter for sure. Yeah. Brian really likes to cover the dirt races. He's probably one of our better dirt racers. In fact, a $25,000 purse. Uh, pretty cool to have NOS Energy Drinks as a sponsor. I think that's a that's a good tie-in, you know, with the uh, World of Outlaw, you know, Sprint Car. If you if you would have told me with the uh, the logo they just created there for this, it kind of reminds me, you know, I'd be like, wasn't NOS last season sponsored? Just the way it looks, it kind of just reminds me. I, I I forgot who was sponsoring it last year compared to you know, it just kind of fits so well. I want to say Morton Building Supply. I don't know. Who? Yeah, maybe I'm completely wrong. See, that's how it doesn't stick, does it? You know, those those uh, title sponsors. It wasn't Lucas Oil, was it? Maybe it was. I care. I can't. Well, how many cars does uh, iRacing sponsor out there that's making it into victory lane, Greg? Seems to be a lot because... Uh... Is this the first time we've come across his name? For this? No, this no. Is Alan... This is his third win uh, this year. 
Okay, no, but I think this is the first time have we brought him up on here with the iRacing sponsorship. But anyways, um, Alan Tardiff uh, is bringing home his third uh, win of the season at uh, Beach Ridge Speedway um, in his iRacing sponsor late model, which actually I really like this. It's actually a really nice designed car too. I, I, uh, I think it, it works well and, you know, it seems to be they whatever iRacing puts their uh, their name on in in the lower ranks seems to get it done. I think they're picking the right drivers too to work with. I mean, Alan Tardiff has some kind of relationship with iRacing. I think he might work for them, but he's a late model driver up in the Northeast, and uh, he does run them as a sponsor, uh, and he does pretty well. I think this is his third win this year that we've talked about on the show. Um, pretty cool. The big one is release notes. Uh, they actually put them out early so you could get a gander at them. Boy, they were long. I, I, I want to say, historically, this may be the longest release notes ever. Well, they've been getting longer and longer each build now for the last, I don't know, couple of years, have they not? Seems like it, yeah. I mean, last season, it was a record, I think, as well. But this one go, just goes on and on and on. I think it's the detail that they're putting in what is is being said for all these as well. It's not just the fact that, you know, they're saying there's minor changes to like cup car or something like that. It's now it's what the full changes are and everything that's involved. So, and we've talked about some of these last week too, obviously when we got some previews. So we're gonna go through it. I'll start off. Uh, we got new cars, Ferrari Evo, Porsche 911, Hickory, Hungara Ring, Hosted AI, and that's where you and your friends, you know, put up a room and AI fills the room. New healing, no damage mode. So, like, if you have no damage on in a race, like a hosted race, it's it, there's a message that comes up that says healing, and it, like, fixes the damage. So, like, it initially breaks it, but then it heals itself. That's how they changed it. What is this, the Terminator guy, where he just heals after you get in the wreck? Like, you get in the wreck and the car is toast but then it heals and that's how they do the no damage. Now, you know what, this is actually really, really good, um, especially for, you know, watching the ladies race or calling the ladies race. And that was one of my big complaints when they wanted to take the, the damage off and I understood why they wanted to do it, but I wanted the eye candy. I want to be able to see all that damage happen. So um, I don't know, I guess from like a watching standpoint, like a broadcasting standpoint, this could be really, really good. So you still get the damage and then the, the drivers get the, the no damage that they want. And it, well, it's, I, I think it's specifically so that they react more realistically when they hit each other, right? Because right. If, the, if your car is, is completely unbendable, it's going to bounce differently when it takes impact. Oh, that's fair, too. One of the things I was just reading here, I didn't even realize this. Did you know that there's a fuel leak damage in this i didn't realize that until i read what cars the fuel leak damage was on it's kind of interesting yeah. how they've got that in here oh yeah uh new damage model and uh, art overhaul for the spec racer ford and street stock and i think this is the big one this season road tires for all vehicles so every vehicle out there no matter what has an option for a road tire so this helps people like me who do weird combinations sometimes you know I'll get in the cup car and I'll put it on a rally track or I'll get in the formula one car and put it on a, a dirt track or something like that. And, and try to do these weird combinations. Well, 
by having a road car uh, tire available for every car um, and if if it doesn't have the correct tire for the right kind of track it will default to the road tire uh, ai has been added for five new cars that didn't have it before including the two new ones um, super late models and have it now and again i think i'm looking forward to that big time uh, i'm going to set up a little ai season perhaps with the super lates and give it a shot and then the supercars also have the ai there's even a, a minor tweak to the spotters it looks like here i guess they have three new messages uh coolant temperature is high oil temperature is high and tread tire treads low i don't think i mean we've had the coolant ones have we not or maybe that's sorry. No, that's probably in crew chief. It reminds me of it, not actual in in race. Yeah. And then AI was also added at uh, eleven other new tracks, including Bristol and some short tracks like Concord, Five Flags, Hickory. That's to support the super late thing. Uh, Hungara Ring, Mount Panorama, Myrtle Beach, Phillip Island, Red Bull Ring. It looks like a lot of the things on here are tire related for. A lot of these updates, they're minor tire fixes and things like that for a lot of the road cars and, and uh, obviously some of the olds like we talked about last week. Yep. Well, what they try to do with this tire model is the they're try. It's based on telling the the model what the tire is made of, and they'll just tell it that it's made of something different to change its characteristics, and they'll they'll do that for each car at least, right? Um, it would be interesting to see if they started doing that for each track in a situation like NASCAR where they bring a different compound to every tire, right? But uh, uh, that's that's kind of how that tire model is designed to work. There's a lot of stuff on the damage model in here as well, right? Uh, we talked about it uh, or last week that the permanent steering damage on all of the road cars is gone. Uh, for example, like when we got busted in the uh, Daytona race, uh the wheel was crooked and we were like, yeah, that's it. It was not drivable. You just couldn't control it. I think the biggest thing too, didn't, on some of these cars we've seen, there's some more animations in the inside the cockpit too, right? They've been talking about the, the feet or the pedals are now moving inside the cockpit on some of the uh, models. Some cars, not all of them. Cause I was just reading it's on the Ferrari GTE. Uh, I'm just trying to find it through all the ones here. It's the first one I saw it on. Got the control Z um, on the camera as a hotkey now. Now, I played around with that the other day. Um, does it always move? Do you have to hit something separately to lock it onto the car? Because when I started moving it, it just started moving the camera and it's a the free, car out of you. It's a free uh, fly kind of oh, thing. It's a drone, yeah. So, because I wanted, I, I like to still stay centered on the car and it, it would, I had, so I had to just go back to doing it the old fashioned way. It's where, I guess, like I've always said, the controller comes in handy where you can control it like a drone. I like this one. The garage no longer prompts to save setup changes if you're attempting to exit without having modified the setup. That always bugs me. Like, I go into the setup, but I don't change anything, and it asks me to save it. Here's a, here's a funny one that uh, I was looking at. The Ford GTE. Fixed an issue where the vehicle damage was increasing downforce. <laughs> now, they updated the sporting code, but I, I looked at it briefly, but I couldn't tell what was updated. 
which I think they should like highlight that or something like here's what's changed, you know, so you don't have to read the whole thing and try to guess what's changed because it's really long and boring. Do you see that uh, on your 87 car there, Mike, they've changed some gear ratios and some data for the engine mapping, uh, but they've also added dirt tires. Yeah, that's neat that they've got tires going on all these for all the different types of track and all that. Lots of changes to the cars, little stuff. Uh, we're not going to go through all those. Next gen throttle must be lifted to upshift now. Or clutch, one of the two, right? Yeah, I, I would guess you're just going to be blipping most of that time with that, with that car when it's five speeds, especially if you're on the road course. We do have the new uh, 48 GT3 Evo. We talked about that last week as well. Did you buy it? Um, no, I, I don't run that one in the in the GT3 class usually. Kind of like the Mercedes most of the time. Here's one that would be interesting too, David, for us. The 919, the amount of MGU harvesting has been increased by 1.9 kilowatts. I don't uh, know what that means and how many kilowatts it actually harvests, but it might may, be a biggie. Isn't that what gets you to the future? <laughs> well, that, that, that's gigawatts. Not gigawatts, but gigawatts. There's a no, difference. We're close. We're close. Um, what it means is you're gonna have, we're going to have more battery now, which means more boost, which means it's going to be a little bit stronger compared to the Audi because they're always trying to get the balance right between those two cars. Might be interesting to run this next 12 season or 12 uh, weeks with that. The Ford GT has a, which is an older car, complete overhaul. I mean, it's got a whole laundry list of changes. So. If you have that car, you might want to try that again. I'm and wondering if that's, Mike, I'm just wondering if that's just because that car, they're trying to get people back into that car maybe because that, that, that class has changed so much in the last year. That was like the oldest car. So now it's probably, they're trying to bring it up to like, you know, say like the 21st century type thing. Could be. Uh, Formula V, you can now reduce the maximum allowable fuel capacity to 0.1 liter. And they have a new setup that was added called the Mount Washington Downhill Configuration Soapbox. I was going to say, is that going to have 0.1 in it so it gets you going and then you can't add any after that? Well, that's what I'm thinking is, is how you would do this is you and your friends would get in there uh, downhill and everyone would be in their car ready to go and you would go one, two, three, go. And everyone would hit their gas and they would all run out about the same time, you know, cause it's only 0.1 and that would just get the car going enough. And then it's a race. That's awesome. So they're basically just fully embracing this, this mode that uh, the community has come up with. How awesome is that? Right. I bet you they had no idea we were going to do a soapbox, or I, I didn't think of it until somebody did it. When do we start doing those Red Bull runs where they make those soapboxes and they got to go down the hills and over those jumps? <laughs> when does that come on to iRacing? Pretty cool. Iris or iCore instead of parkour. So the Lotus 49 and 79 have a bunch of changes. We, we've talked about those last week. They did come out with a new force. Almost everything in the patch notes that's big, um, we've already kind of previewed in previous episodes, really. There's some small visual effects. It's just a, it's a whole lot of... It looks like this This is the fix a lot of little things patch, right? So One thing I saw on Twitter... Uh, go ahead, Mike. Bristol's a half second faster than it was before. It's probably just maybe... Is it a half second faster in the cup car? Yeah. 
well, either uh, truck or Xfinity. Well, it might be a lot faster because last time we raced on it was dirty. And then as far as track changes, I mean, um, minor stuff, it looks like. They got rid of the grass area turn three at Atlanta. Because, oh, it's no longer there, right? That's right. I guess that's in preparation, maybe. And then, oh, well, they're going to have a huge update anyways once that track's completely done. Oh, guess what they did at Phoenix? Now what you think? Track surface properties have been updated. Well, that's what they said with Bristol, too. Yeah, I was just trying to get your hopes up. So the one thing that it, it's a good find there, though, Tony, because the asphalt textures on the apron have been adjusted to better match where the seams are. So does that help where we can go down in turn? What is it? I guess it's R3 and 4, but it's the NASCAR 1 and 2. No, I don't know. Anyways, R3 and 4, um, you could probably maybe go down lower there on the apron and use that corner a bit differently. I think it's just set up to look more like it's supposed to look with the actual textures. That's that's a graphics thing. To line up with the seams and the asphalt there, I guess. Maybe, yeah. They have lines, basically. Maybe they should just have the full update for the track. I like this one. Mount Washington has a new set of iRacing awards available for earning exclusively from activities at the Mount Washington Auto Road. These are brand new and may not be applied retroactively based on your event history at this track. So you, anything you've tried recently, Mike, it doesn't go towards these? That means well, I just have to run it more. I just need to do it again and start over. All right, guys, incoming next three or four weeks, Mount Washington talk. Well, I got to go see what the certificates are for first, like, you know, successfully <laughs> made it up the hill or what is it? It's kind of interesting. Haven't we always inquired if they've added some of these things to that? Uh, certificates and, and achievement stuff. It, it looks like obviously that they can change things after they've you know done them, right? I don't, it's been so long since I've gone back and looked at that. Do they even have that in the new UI? Oh, 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 oh. your favorite topic is that on no. the, is that on the scripts or do you no? But let's talk about that. I, I was trying to go into a hosted race and I was you know. Keep it an open mind and use the new UI or the beta UI, as you call it. And I'm looking at the list of races and hosted. A lot of good information there. But I'm wondering, if I click on this one, is it a race or is it a practice or is it both? Is there a qualifying? Is it open or is it single? How long is the race? It's not, it's not there. The information is not there. Now, you, you can click in and drill in and find it. But to not have it on the page where I'm making the choice, that's just plain out ridiculous. It really is. I still don't use the UI, and that's especially for the hosted races. If I'm if I want to do a hosted race, I go to the website. It's just oh, and it's so let's better. Talk about build day though, and then how would we go iRacing on build day? Because guess what, the website worked right, David, but the UI wasn't working. Yeah, and that that was uh, some kind of back end issue, and they had. I put out a notice that they were going to go ahead. They found the problem and we're going to go ahead and do a downtime and kill all the servers like 10 minutes into NIS. We were like, Oh great. NIS isn't going to happen. I went ahead and signed up anyway. Um, and I, I'm hoping I, I, I'm thinking they realized, wait, we probably shouldn't down the servers in the middle of 200 people signed up for NIS and went ahead and let it run since they could still get in with the website. It's just baffling that, you know, you go up, you're going to a place to sign up for a race and you can't tell if it's a race. I digress. 
Well, as we continue to talk about some of the things that come out with uh, Season 4, there are a bunch of new templates released. Uh, released. Uh, the Paint Master, Brian Simpson, he's posted the new paint templates for the new Porsche 911 Cup. That's a nice typo in there, the 922 new car. So the, the new Porsche and the new Ferrari, they've got the templates out there. Yeah, and there was a couple other cars, uh, SRF, um, that was updated a little bit. This slightly changed, but you still need to update your paints. And there was another one. Tony, this one might interest you because you, you like to run the uh, fantasy thing, so you definitely want to know how all the races are going to go next year. Uh, do, do we know anything about the NIS uh, 2022 schedule yet? I don't think we do because I'm completely lost. <laughs> ah, there we go. Uh, well, uh, I don't think we do because NASCAR hasn't let us know what they're doing. Now, well, I guess it wouldn't really matter. They were talking about the uh, the Los Angeles thing, but that's just the clash, and we don't really do the clash per se. With the, so I guess that probably wouldn't really matter much. But um, I don't know. I guess they're talking about you know maybe uh, maybe Gateway is going to get a race, and Pocono is going to going to lose one. Now they were talking about this on uh, Door Bumper Clear, and because Pocono doubles up on one weekend, so is that going to like add a weekend? to the season well it's basically it's taken up they're going to be one last week off right so we're going to have one more race a week or we, we're, going to, we're going to have more one more week of racing this year or next year than we did this year yeah well pocono used to be two weekends until covid started in the last couple last two years it's been a double header right um does this mean that they are – it's been a doubleheader, but just one weekend. So does this mean it's not going to be a doubleheader anymore? Is that what they're saying? That's well, how I read it. one race. I'm sorry, Tony. Yeah, they have two-point races, basically, even because it is a doubleheader, but it's a double points, right? So they're just going down to one race. That's the way I read it. And then St. Louis or Gateway is getting the other one. So that means that Pocono race goes back to a longer distance race probably than two. Or at least at least a four hundred. Hopefully, NBC will determine that. I'm excited about Gateway. That's that's two uh, races right within driving range, and I have I actually have a family right there in St. Louis. So Gateway fun too. Well, and I like this because what did we find this year when they added Nashville? That was a hell of a race for us to race this year. Another so. new new track on the track that's not a road course, which I know a lot of people don't like, but it's really nice to have a different oval to go to. And that's a, an egg style ovalish, right? It's, it's not exactly Darlington, uh, but it's, it's, it's got the uneven corners, right? You got a tighter corner and a wider corner. Uh, and it's, I think it's a little flatter. I've been, I've, uh, it was exciting truck racing the last couple of years. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to getting a chance to see it. I'd be happier with one less road course as well. I, I think you're probably going to end up with the same amount of road courses as last year. Well, we had one extra because California didn't get a race, so that wouldn't have happened. So we would have, what, five road courses this year instead of six. So California will have a race next year. You, you're probably thinking, so that's one less road course on the track, so we get that track back. Gateway is a, from my memory, is a flat oval, very flat, like no banking, and really fun in an Indy car. Um, I don't know if I've ever run a Cup car there though. 
did back in the R Factory days. Do you think because of it being a newer track, do they try and go with the same weekend that IndyCar's there and double up uh, again? Because IndyCar will be racing there and then have NASCAR there the same weekend. And I mean, they that worked in Indy. Yeah, I mean, they can they can run Xfinity and stuff and trucks that at Gateway to the same weekend as well. They just got to rotate the, the semi trucks in and out, right? I'm pretty sure they, you know, inside and outside the track, it, you only need the trucks in there for the days that they're racing on, right? Especially depending on, we don't know what the practice schedules are going to be like next year either, right? Cool, cool. Well, we'll probably be talking schedule next week. Uh, how about this? Uh, uh, no, Mike, you wanted to try this, or was this Greg that wanted to try this? This the GT three is going into reverse at a hundred. This would be a Mike thing or KPH. Yeah, this is definitely a Mike type of event for sure. Could I do it though? I don't know. This is crazy. So the new Porsche car. Now they've done this before, where where they release a car and they don't put some kind of limiter on the reverse gear. And you can end up going really fast in reverse. I remember this on some car they did. Somebody did this. But apparently, the new Porsche, you can go 180 in reverse. And so these guys were racing on uh, Watkins Glen going backwards, basically. Uh, Tony Kanon took the win. I would try this at, like, Daytona where you could try and draft backwards. It's amazing how good these guys are at doing it, you know. Um I don't know if I could concentrate long enough looking backwards. I, I just don't know if I could or not. Well, I mean, ultimately, if you're just using your rearview mirror, especially if you've got the big virtual mirror, you're just looking at a smaller screen and looking like you're going forward. The, what's going to throw you, though, is the reversing of the steering. Well, I'm used to that in a transport truck. Yeah, but it's not at that enough. kind of speed. <laughs> It's, it's so hard already to, to drive going forward. You know, I just can't imagine how much I would wreck trying to do this. Well, you'd have to practice at it, right? These guys are doing really good in this video. And I can't imagine they had a lot of practice. They probably still had more than you. Well, That's I'm going to say Tony Kanaan's had a lot more practice in his career. Are you guys ready to talk some uh, controversial topics? I don't know if it's controversial, but... It's something that comes up ever so often, right? Dynamic track, where art thou? Yep, uh, Brian Blackford uh, kind of started this uh, conversation on Twitter about his regrets and missing the dynamic track changes in iRacing. Um, and he had a lot of a really good Twitter discussion about it with a lot of different people weighing in um, about why it's this way and and, and whatnot. Um, and then this spilled over into the forums and we have some forum posts uh, that is, as well that went through and talked about uh, what went wrong. There was David, a, you went through those po uh, forum posts. I mean, what were your takeaways? Well, I, there was a good reply from the, the current community manager. Not, it wasn't Greg West. What was his name? It was the uh, engineer, uh, Matt. Yeah, Matt was replying, and I really do kind of agree with what he was saying. They haven't completely done away with with the dynamic track, but it's really hard to have dynamic, or it's really hard to have multi groove racing in real life. How much multi groove racing is there with that low horsepower power package? It's really coming down more to that. And we, you know, I just literally finished listening to dump, door bumper clear on my way home from work today saying the same thing. It's just the better racing comes 
with the lower horsepower package. And I was passing people last night at Higher Richmond. Hot, sorry, yeah, I said it backwards. Um, but I, I made passes on the outside and inside at Richmond. Why? Because um, it was the high horsepower. So you could actually make the high side work because you because you aren't full throttle on the inside. So that's, I think, what's really the problem. I think where the argument here kind of runs a little thin is that some of these tracks like Atlanta, where you should have had multi, multi, multiple grooves there with, you know, if we had heated up the top line or had more rubber there, the top line should have prevailed on older tires. There's, there's certain places where these should have, you know, the, some of the stuff should have worked with, but you know, I can see what they're saying here with the 550 high downforce. Yeah, it's becoming you race for a couple laps and then you, you know, follow the leader for the rest of the until there's a caution or something. It's really hard to get by. Well, now, and the reason the high line doesn't, well, the reason it doesn't change is because the horsepower is, if the horsepower is lower, you, then you're just not getting that advantage of being able to keep the, keep it on the high on the higher rpm side with with the high, with the higher horsepower right it just is it just ends up always being the lower side that that's going to have more advantage or the higher side or everybody else just stays on the inside outside and you can't pass on the inside because if you're not getting off the, the gas as much and you're not getting on the brakes it's it doesn't matter where you are on the track the car is just they're they're not there's not enough change to make them make the moves Right, so that's what Matt was saying. Um, in, I don't know if it's in defense, but it's uh, it's it's his perspective or our racing's perspective on it. Now, I want to read Blackford's uh, post here on uh, Twitter, um, just because he had he, the way he says it is uh, is a good way to understand about where we were and where we are now. So let let me read this. It says, "quote." I try to keep things positive, but man, do I miss dynamic track on iRacing. The game felt so alive, and I wish the NASCAR industry could have experienced it during. We were searching everywhere for grip and heat naturally balanced most lanes. Uh, would love to be part of the solution. And then another one, running in rubber has always been the meta with V7. Until that changes, we will always gravitate towards the same line. Some of the recent track edits have been okay, but it's only a shadow of things from 2015 to 2018. I don't have all the answers, but I'd be happy with a V6 drop down. Yeah, well, what else happened? What else changed? I, well, I, I, I'm, I'm in Matt's camp on this one completely, 100. percent because I hate the low down force package. What else changed in 2019? What do we go to? Well, here's what he says. So later. Uh, uh, a guy named David Tucker, and I don't think it's the David Tucker we usually talk about. He asked, uh, what was the reason given for iRacing and removing dynamic track? And Brian Blackford responds, they didn't remove it, but there was a series of updates that reduced its eff effectiveness. A lot of those updates improved realism, but it also created a single preferred lane at most of the tracks. Well, does this kind of go with what Matt was writing in this one part of his uh, statement here he goes last week uh, he did a few runs with challenger at michigan in the gen 6 car and he was able to run him down on the top line however 
uh, he started the run without going wide open and had to wait for him to get to where uh, he had to lift before he could make anything work compared to the Xfinity car where both of us had to get on the brakes from the start. And it should, and it should be apparent that the high amount of throttle time on the gen six car will mean the much longer path for the upper lane than the bottom lane at Michigan. So like if you're on the throttle all the time, you want the shortest lane uh, if you're not braking at all. And what Blackboard was talking about having to search for grip was in a car with not just 750 horsepower, but what was it? It was closer to 850, 900, right? Those cars were so much harder to drive at, at, at even at the mile and a half that it, it wasn't just about dynamic, the dynamic track and the track settings. It was just, there's more horsepower. It's just that simple. And you see that in the real life racing. The, the most exciting race at Nashville really that had the most side-by-side racing where both lines were working was the Xfinity cars. When we got, when we, when I watched the cup race, it was pretty exciting, but it just wasn't quite as good as the Xfinity car uh, because they couldn't stay side-by-side the whole time with it well, not having to lift as much. Well, what, what the, the true thing should be, what he was kind of getting at there is if you're going to the bottom lane and you're, you're keeping it wound up and then can come all the way back out to the wall on the exit. And the person who goes on the top lane has, is just running it in there and doing the same thing. Yeah. It's distance over time, but it, what you, we need to get to the point where is that person that has to is deciding to use the bottom. They have to slow down to use that bottom, to use the shorter distance, but the person on top, they can either, you know, when they're actual racing, they slow down earlier, but they get on the throttle faster, and that's why they come out of it that way. And and that's what we're missing is 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 having to use the brakes is what's making all these you know a lot of this this car so controversial. Now, in the forum post about this, uh, Ezekiel Reyes puts out a very compelling discussion where he actually shows video as well of how it used to race versus how it races now. He compares uh, peak racing back in the day uh, compared to Coke racing now at the same track and and some of the differences um, and trying to point out, you know, how dynamic track has gone away. Uh, and it, and it, it had sparked a very good discussion and obviously got, um, you know, the staff member to weigh in and give us more information. So kudos to Ezekiel for getting involved in the discussion, at least. But the track is not the only, not the biggest thing that changed the most. Again, what changed the most is the car. So we beat that with a de- uh, to death. Now let's move on to the next part of this, which was super speedway package. So this kind of got on a tangent thread i would i would call it but uh, liam brotherton uh basically is you know putting out the plea you know hey we need to we need to do some tweaking here too now what do you think about this one david well i saw the highline work but what was happening in a in a lot of cases is la- in, in last year's package to make the to, to make the middle lane work you had to side draft the mother out of the inside line just just sit there and basically more not to pull them back but just to keep to steal as much of their draft to get you going faster as you could um so the we all kind of learned to to run that inside lane right it just squeeze them down as much as you could all the way well i learned pretty quick in the daytona races this week that or last week 
or two weeks ago, whatever. Um, that that's that's not uh, that's not how to run the outside line because running staying in the side drafting is actually costing this second lane speed. Uh, so once I once I had some other guys basically show us how you actually want to take it out to the wall, that was really fast, and we showed how quick we could run um, in our league race too. When when there was enough of us lined up, so that was that was part of it. But, but because so many people were failing to get the second line to run, everybody was just hunting for the bottom, and it's that's you know that's it was affecting driver behavior. Um, now. In the real life racing, they all go up to the high side, um, but that's because turbulence is a bigger factor in, and it's doesn't affect the or it affects the real cars more than it affects our cars, as as far as the real life versus the sim track. But um, it, it kind of was a combination of the the new package and not everybody knowing how to run it and everybody just kind of chickening out and riding in the bottom. It, it resulted in a lot of boring racing, really. There were some good tidbits in here about why this doesn't work. Uh, Matt Holden was saying, and he even provided a visual uh, rep representation here of two lines uh, side by side and why the outside line is an orkin. And it's because he's saying the lead car needs to be the one that's down next to the inside lane. And what's happening a lot of times, it's the rear cars at the back of the outside lane that are getting close. And that's, going to make the back lane go backwards they they you really need the front of the line to be the one closest to the inside lane and also anytime if you start when you if you're coming out on the straightaway and you're going out to the wall all the time you then have to trust all the guys behind you not to go ahead and take it three wide and, and um in uh pickup racing whether it's the a opens or the nis when you don't know as many of the drivers around you uh compared to say the the real life cup garage where they are all are basically camp mates every every week for the entire summer it's just a little bit harder to trust that some guy's going to stay behind you the whole time if you're actually going to take it out to the wall because if as soon as you do that the inside lane is unprotected or, or the middle lane so yeah, another part of this discussion I found fascinating was Liam had said, uh, for instance, er earlier this year, I found that working with regionally similar drivers for whatever re re reason resulted in catastrophically different runs and ease of pushing. For instance, while pushing or being pushed with Logan Clampett, who is about 10 minutes away from me, we were unbelie unbelievable working together. We could slam into each other, push all over each other's rear end, and get massive runs that could walk away from the field. However, when I tried to do the same technique with someone like Seth Demerchant, who uh, is in a different part of the U.S., I couldn't even replicate the same speed. Needless to say, the pushing was 20 times more difficult. And uh, the staff did confirm that they saw that in some of their testing, too, uh, with, with Chandler and I think Matt. Right. They noticed that as well. Another thing that did get covered, I think that was it Ray Afella picked up maybe that the or no, it was Raja Carruth picked up that the the uh, side draft air hole bubble is a little too wide, they think, on the cars. And uh, the neat thing is Matt said, you know, he's asked Christian to put together some specific test to continue to uh, work on this and uh, and uh, make adjustments, I guess. Fascinating. 
Well, Tony, if you're with us, uh, the season four schedules are out. Yes, they are. Tyler Hudson posted them up in the forums as he usually does. Um, so they got the centripetal as a placeholder for Hickory and Hungaring. That they got to change the name of that track. It just there's there's no flow to it. It just sounds weird. Hungaroring. Yeah. Uh, the Porsche GT3 Cup will replace the 991 once the car is released. The Ferrari 488 will replace uh, the 2021 will replace the other one once it's released. And since here this does not include the, I got no idea what the heck they're talking about. So I went through the schedule and kind of looked like at the A series, and you know nothing's surprising. Maybe I'm surprised to see Auto Club on there since it's well, gone away. I think what it is is the Creventic and NEC have been ongoing series that are running almost like NIS that are running over season one, two, three, and four. They're full year series, so they're not gonna they're not gonna cut a car from that series at like like they're replacing the cars in the series that are starting new seasons. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what it was. You know what? I've never even heard of those two series before. It's a road thing. So, yeah, you were probably unconscious. Very much so. All right. <laughs> the, GT, the GTE Endurance Series will become the IMSA Endurance Series now. So now, IMSA is going to have different names for a bunch of they got a different bunch of different series. Now, earlier, I thought that, that the Porsche 992 thing was a typo. Is that actually the model number for the new Porsche? It would be, yeah, for it. Okay. Learn something. Speaking of road cars, we got a, a post-build video for about the Ferrari Evo, uh, showing it go around the track and uh, some British commentary there. Oh, no, I think that's Christian from staff, perhaps. This video we did actually have last week. This is the same video. And we just lost Mike. They re-released it then. Yeah, possibly. So that's I, interesting. I don't remember watching this Hungaro ring, uh, though, last week. Yeah, this this came in post uh, build as well. Uh, it's the new introductional video uh, showing off all the looks and sounds of that track. In Mike's favorite car, I love the sound of that car. I mean, that engine just screams. Technically, it's what the car the F1 car should still be running. The V10s or V8s or V12s is all that I think those cars should ever have or those type of things have. It's a neat video because at the beginning, they show an empty track. They, they show the flags flying. They show, you know, empty grandstands, uh, different corners. And then they show the car going around the track. It, it's kind of neat. And this is a really technical track, too. It's got some really nice passing zones, but it's, very, it's a very unforgiving track, too, if you make a mistake. I'm actually interested to um, see when the... Uh, Porsche Cup Series races at some of these new tracks that they've added this year for uh, they haven't been to yet. The second half of the video is an uh, onboard uh, lap as well. It looks like uh, we have the new tree model from what I can see visually here. They do look a little bit more dense and uh, better animated, don't they? Yeah, kind of full, roundish, yeah. All right, that, this next one is... Yeah, I was going to uh, pick this one up. Yeah, go ahead, David. So... Uh, if you're following along in the notes, um, we've been having some issues with the website with Brian and his bandwidth. So if you are following along, that it says story or title. But this is talking about uh, a couple of different setup shops. And 
There's a setup shop that is buying similarly named uh, URLs or addresses. Domains. Domains to other shops and then using that to direct traffic to their site. And so Ryko Motorsports, I'm not even going to name the other one, but Ryko Motorsports wanted to point out that uh, their address includes an S at the end. It's it's sports, not sport. So it's www.ryko-motorsports.com. And they wanted to be sure that everybody knows that and uh, avoids going to the incorrect domain and ending up in the wrong setup shop. So you type in the website, but you forget to put the S at the end. You'll still end up at a setup site that you can buy a setup, but it's not the right one. So, um, and this isn't the only company. It was all, uh, we, there was another one that we found, uh, rocketracingsetups.com uh, also put up an alert uh, that this other setup company we won't name uh, bought rocketracingsetup.com. So if you didn't type in the S, you would go to them as well and buy their stuff. So it's pretty, uh, I don't know, is this a shady practice? I mean, this might be normal business practice in other kind of markets, but I don't know about iRacing. It's shady as hell. Yeah, this is, um, this has got to be, I don't, I haven't read all the legalese of the end user license agreement with iRacing, but they've got to be, got to be bumping up against something in there that iRacing could come in and say, Hey, y'all need to go, go somewhere else and get out of our service. My question is, any of the people that have found these setups, are the setups even working in iRacing? Are they just something basic? Like, was there any complaints about the setups, or was it just that they were piggybacking off these sites? Like, I know what I know. It's what's what they're doing is wrong. I'm just questioning: is were they something was were the setups that were being bought anything? Was there anything talking about that? I don't know if that? we know any of that. Yeah, but. there's and the information we have uh, off of the post says nothing about the quality of the sets. Um, but how can you trust a site that's going to pull something that's shady? How can you trust anything? Because well, I, mean, I totally agree. Yeah, like let's just call it what it is. It's a huge douche move, and they're a bunch of douchebags, and you shouldn't support a bunch of douchebags. I just, I mean, whoever did it, because I just went to that actual website. I went there just to see what was on it. They've put some product, they've put some value into what it looks like. So obviously someone is trying to play the dupe, duping game with it. it. It looks like a professional site. Well, I mean, anybody can do a, you know, a professional site. The, the, it, what you got to know is what, you know, how do the sets work? We've done a lot of, uh, testing over the, over the years, figuring out who puts out the best sets. Um, and some of that will come down to, to just personal preference too, but uh, what a lot of guys I've talked to several of the setup builders. Uh, I'm I'm kind of friends with one of the big shop owners, and what they're what some of these shops are doing is they're coming in running some really good hot laps with a with a near Coke series level driver, throwing up their web address and then and then leaving, um, and then not even making that set available. When, when when you actually go to the shop. They're not actually selling the same set that they use to set the times. Well, we figured that all over the years, right? Like, and this isn't a shade on, you know, you know, what a company like VRS, they would be putting out what's good for their customers. 
I don't know how many people with their mentality going in and say they see the VRS logo on the track. Are they thinking they're getting what the same thing that someone's running in that's sponsored by VRS type thing? So, yeah, but I, v- VRS doesn't. VRS will tell you they're making the setup. No, that's, they they flat you know out say saying, this right? is a this is a not as advanced setup because they want it to be. They'll say they want it to be more adjustable and more accessible to everybody. Uh, because if we try to run some of the sets that the Coke Series drive drivers run in some of these places, we probably can't handle them. They're they're, they're probably just a little bit beyond our control, right? Well, I'm just saying, like with some of the the naive people when they, you know, what they think too, right? Like I know. We know over the history of a lot of these sets, some of them are built to just be comfortable for someone to get out there. I'm just thinking, oh, look, you know, they're advertising the virtual racing school. You know, is that what I'm getting? Or is, uh, you know, any of the other ones that we have, the Max doesn't, uh, the 1100 I rating or 11,000 I rating Max, was it Binicky have his own site for sets and things like that? Like, I just think the setup part, you know, it's it's misleading when you buy sets sometimes what you're getting now i want to back up because i went while you guys were talking and looked for those awards that you can win they announced in the release notes and i found them and uh it says one of them is called beat travis use the subaru to beat travis pastrana's hill climb record of 528.6 can be earned in non-team hosted or time attack events uh, the next one is easier down than up. Use the Subaru to beat Travis's record. Then a Quattro extre- Extreme. Use the Audi uh, Audi 90 GTO on an uphill. Do a downhill in the V. Do a pro truck on the uphill. Now, does that not seem... I would think that... Uh, iRacing is putting that out, you know, use the Subaru that's the paid car to get this certificate. So pay for this extra car to run down the hill to to try and beat Travis's thing if you want the certificate instead of just picking one of the three rally cars. It's that specific rally car. Yeah, that is annoying. I That's a... Uh... You know, I, not, I don't think that's that big of a deal. Um, no, but it's the certificate, the whole certificate thing is just, you know, that's kind of stealing from the the way phone games work nowadays. It's just another thing to try to keep you at achievements, trophies. try to keep you in there. Yeah. I don't think they were specifically um, pulling something like, you know, the company that shall not be named. Here's one. If you don't like the weather, just wait a minute. It says complete a run up the mountain with fit, greater than 15% fog. And then here's one, are you afraid of the dark? Complete an uphill run at night in any car. So I'm guessing you would pick one with headlights. Right. (laughs) That would be a tough. Have you done it in the dark, Mike? I have not tried to do it in the dark, no. Oh, I got something to try. (laughs) Maybe maybe try it rolling it down. What would be funny is go down to the soapbox car in the dark. I still have not tried going down. I, I still have this done up. I swear we should still rate. We should still host one of those and just do it as a team with with a bunch of people. All right. So good segue, Greg. As we talk about hosting, listener Scott Ross uh, contacted me this week and said he's going to host some fun Tour Mod 100 lap race at Dover Saturday night with fixed setups and no damage with an incident limit. And so uh, he said. Uh, please mention this uh, on the show. It was a big help last week 13 when he did it before. 
So it's 100 laps at Dover, tour mod, Saturday, no damage. Tire changes will be available. There'll be iRacing control cautions. Uh, practice at 8.30 Eastern, qualifying at 9, and race at 9.10 Eastern. That'll be an interesting race combination. Yeah, I think I'm going to try to remember to jump in there. That looks like fun. Uh, some other race reminders, uh, David. Well, we do have the Bodhurst 1000 coming up. I know Greg might be trying to find one of the Aussie guys to run with, or the last as a last resort, he might beg me to run it so I can go wreck the car again on on the first stint <laughs> next weekend. Is that what happens? Uh, no, I, I think did so. I run a stint I, and then you wrecked. Um, possibly. I think I started it that year. I, I mean, I, I I think I could do better this time, but I just have to accept that I can't go that fast and those I, big I know big you cars. beat yourself up about it you beat yourself out about it like I just when I destroyed the car at Le Mans I think it was that we that was our even we got even that way yeah but the, the nothing was is emotionally devastating as destroying the car literally coming into the pits to uh let me get into the car Okay, it's like, all right, you run this clean stint for two hours. I'm, I'm just getting, I'm getting up, up. I'm ready to go. Whoop! Oh, race over. That, I mean, that's a, that's so crushing, man. But yeah, the race is this, uh, is this weekend? No, it's not this weekend. It's the seventeenth to nineteenth. So it'll be. The I didn't get my weekend. patch. That's why it happened. I didn't. We didn't have a patch for the car. All right, another race I found. <laughs> this one is interesting and caught my eye. Sprint cars at Talladega, September 24th uh, at 8 p.m. They're going to have a broadcast 76-lap uh, race. The only cost to enter is the, uh, the event is a donation to the GoFundMe set up to support Marshall and Shabral Pruitt as Shabral continues her ongoing battle with cancer. Now, Marshall Pruitt uh, writes for Racer.com. And uh, he follows the IndyCar series very closely as a journalist. And he has a great podcast about IndyCars. And, and uh, he's a good guy. And I, and I hate to see that his uh, wife is going through this. And uh, so hopefully uh, all of us will be able to go uh, help support her on uh, her battle with cancer. And it looks like a fun event. Um, there's going to be four practice sessions leading up to the event. Uh, they're going to have the Robin Miller poll night on the 22nd as well. Um, and poll sitter is going to get a $50 prize and so forth. So if you want to uh, participate, uh, check the forums for Intimidator Challenge. Uh, we also have the link to the Google Doc in our show notes. and uh, Or you can uh, hook up with the uh, guy on Twitter, uh, the guy putting it on, and we got his link as well. We also have the uh, Operation Motorsports Benefit, four hours at the Glen. That's coming up on September 12th. That's this weekend. Yep. And uh, they're, basically, they're trying to put equipment into uh, first run first responders uh, who are disabled. Is that that? Is, that's that one, right? Yep. No, no. Uh, military. Uh, Ex-military who uh, we're getting them the SIM equipment. Not first responder. Oh, it's, it's there to remember the first responders from 9-11. Oh, okay. I guess I read it wrong, but the uh, one more. Race to well, cover. let me let me say this, David. The uh, Operation Motorsport is a is a uh, a group that supports the the military uh, with the sim equipment. Now, this particular event, I think, like you said, is to recognize the twenty year anniversary of September eleventh as well. 
as well as the service members who pushed over in, in the in the, the events afterwards. And then we have this eight-hour IMSA race at Daytona next weekend. Take your pick. Yeah, and that's a autism uh, uh, charity for a local autism event. Uh, but that's uh, looks fun. Eight hours at IMSA, and it's going to include all of the current cars that normally run in IMSA races. That's starting at one p.m. Uh, the practices are starting at one p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. And then uh, after that, I think that covers up topics, and we're ready for some housekeeping, Mike. Housekeeping it is. We'll talk uh, aftermath recording, I believe, is coming up. Tony, what do we got? Yes, sir. That is this Saturday-ish, hopefully. Um, What do we got going on? I don't know. Well, we're definitely going to be talking about uh, the build. Uh, There's some juicy stuff in there that I know we're going to want to go over. the guy's been uh, doing a bunch of racing. Chris has got himself uh, uh, more upgrades, um, pretty much like a whole new setup at this point in time. And we got a ladies race coming up in a couple weeks, and we will be back in the booth for that. So we got lots to talk about. All right. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, we're also on the Performance Motorsports Network. Check us out over there. Fantasy. <laughs> well, I guess if you want to get uh, – a playoff started right um it's best to get started on top right i had another good week and i'm starting to get called a cheater for this because i think this is like uh three weeks in a row now hey you're just playing smart that's all i made the mistake of picking hendrick motorsports <laughs> yeah i kind of spread mine out um hey i had denny in my lineup i had larson in my lineup um but i did take some hits uh, it just wasn't as bad as as uh, other people because I think I had Kyle Busch in my lineup as well. Um, I'm not sure. I may have been able to get him swapped out. I know I there, I know I had to take a hit on one of the guys, but um, it looks like our points have been reset for the playoffs. Um, so that just kind of shakes everything up, you know. First race going in, but you know, a quick rundown of the top ten. Um, where are you, Greg? Oh, 18th. Yeah, you got to scroll right down for that guy. <laughs> like I said, I had a bad dart. <laughs> I didn't have any of the bonus points, and Kyle was one of my players. I think I got him in the garage after he got it, did, did it. And then uh, who was the other? There was one other guy that was really bad. Oh, uh, I had Almarello as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's 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 so tough to pick a Stuart Haas driver, um, except Kevin. But even same with like even with Harvick, you got to be like so careful on where you where you're gonna put them. Just they've just been running like garbage, and um, and then yeah. he goes out this week and has a good week, or would have had a good week. Yeah, yeah. But hey, let's uh, do a quick rundown of the top ten. Uh, TG One Racing is in first. Uh, what the heck? S-R-O-S-S-L-X. They're uh, just messing with me because you can't freaking even pronounce that name. They're in second. Uh, Fatboy, 1990s, third place. Kerry Seal in fourth, followed by Res Dog. Cletus, 45. Tafosi's Tony the Tiger in seventh. Uh, Conklin Speedworks in eighth. Uh, Racing Goodyear's in ninth. And Just in Time is in tenth. 
and our buddy Chris Jedi McFly. Um, and he's almost as far down as you there, Greg. We'll have to we'll have to find out on the aftermath uh, where he went wrong with his picks there. And not as they can't seem to stay away from each other. Kyle Pendygraph did worse than all of us, so I think he'll he'll get the award. Well, actually, it was Adam. He was at the bottom. Out of the yeah, it looks like teammates. he maybe didn't even put picks in. Like when you're down, maybe that far. I think some of those may not even put picks in. Come on, Adam. Yeah, I didn't go through um, on the weekend and see, but yeah, like if you're if you got like 46 points, um, you haven't really picked anybody, and you're just kind of going on. Uh, with the you know the last time you put a lineup in, I think Adam was probably working on putting a new front clip on his uh his real <laughs> race car. <Right. laughs> it got destroyed. But yeah, exciting playoff time. Love it. Um, yeah, we'll see how this goes. The first race down, and uh, yeah, big shakeup in the in the numbers here. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, let's jump right into the hardware. Mike, have you taken a look at this new EG-R GTR aluminum rig? I have. This thing is a beauty. And, you know, I found a new rig last week I really like, but this one is nice, too. Saw this baby on Instagram, and, man, it's, it's like, beefy. Like, the, the base of it is, like, really thick, and uh, I don't know. It looks like it's overbuilt, maybe, even. And the triples are integrated into the the cockpit. Now, I don't know if I like that or do I want freestanding. I, I don't even know which one I prefer. It depends on if you want to go motion or not, because I don't think it looks uh, so good if, you're, if your monitors are not attached if you go motion. Do you, right. do you think with a direct drive wheel on something like that, you would get a little bit of bounce in the monitors maybe? Or do you think it's solid enough? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's why the I other would... thing. That's why I would go free flowing because you you know if you have any shake in your rig you always have the monitor shake right. Well, these monitor mounts are yeah attached directly to those posts that would attach to the to the base. You know if if they were built in down towards the bottom of the base of the rig, you'd probably have find a lot less movement. But where they're mounted, yeah, Greg, I'd be worried about that as well. Yeah, because they're like you said, they're mounted to the same pillar that uh, holds the the base of the wheel. Well, and I think with that bracket that they have, it's a very thin bracket that the monitors are. You know, it's jumping across from one part of the eighty twenty to the eighty twenty mounting bracket or to the eighty twenty mount for the, the the screen. So, what transfers into that thin piece of metal might be a little bit more than being a solid part of the 8020, right? No, if you're on on a motion rig and they're not free-floating, those monitors are going to be bouncing around anyway from the... The motion rig is going to put a lot more energy into the monitors than than the direct drive is going to. Well, you've... You've got your regular corner bracings down at the bottom of those... Those those posts that go up, um, you know, for for your wheelbase. But then you also... For like a mouse and it looks like maybe a possibly a keyboard on the other side um is more supporting uh brackets but you know static it's not bad uh for motion i don't know though still even with motion i don't know if i would want those that style of uh monitor mounts because like you said i think that would bounce all over the place way too much for motion 
I like know. the setup. Like, like it, it definitely looks good. It, it definitely has a, a simplistic design to it. Now, $965 US or 13,700 Rands. And Rands is South Africa. So this company is actually uh, EG Evolved Simulator Rigs out of uh, South Africa. And we've talked about them, I think, once before. This is a new cockpit they put together. Um, and they're serious. Uh, it, looks, it looks like a pretty neat offering uh, at a reasonable price for what you're getting. Mike, can you make sense of this part of it? It says, we can supply you with a generic reclinable racing seat or a proper Sparco. Is that up on top of the cost of this, or is it something that they just you get your choice? Have you seen? Well, the racing seat is excluded. It, it does say that. Okay, so maybe it comes with just the generic reclinable, and then you upgrade for a Sparco? Okay, so let's back this up here a bit, because I think there's a little bit... Uh, something that needs to be pointed out. So this is 900, you know, just under a thousand dollars us. Right. Okay. So for under a thousand dollars us, you are getting, um, a direct drive mount. You're getting a keyboard tray. You're getting the mouse tray and you're getting the monitor mounts with the VESA mounts. Everything for, but the seat. You know what? Like, Honestly, for this price, if you want to go motion with this, buy a couple extra pieces of profile and and rig it up uh, for just under a thousand. But like, yeah, um, you're you're doing all right. Yeah, even I think with the short pitfalls. Yeah, because if you buy like a P1X or what one of those other ones, you have to add all that stuff. The keyboard is a hundred bucks, and the mouse thing's fifty bucks, and the and the drink holders twenty bucks, and you know all the little things add up. That's something we uh, we like to talk about is is how many uh, gutters we can see, which tells us how how wide the bases is and the pillars are. But another thing you're going to have to watch for that we don't necessarily see on every Instagram post that we that we analyze is the uh, gauge or the weight the weightiness of the aluminum. That's something you'll want to look into that might go into the price. And I don't know that for this for this rig or, or just about any of the rigs, because that can determine how much flex you're going to get or not get. It's just how heavy is the aluminum. Well, yes, that does make sense there, David. But if you like, this is pretty beefy looking and it looks like it has a lot of extra supports that I've not seen on other rigs um, that I don't see on my own rig. Um, So that could just kind of compensate if they are using a bit of a, uh, lesser gauge, which they most likely are, but um, it looks like they've compensated for that properly. Well, and I'm, I'm not saying that this isn't a less expensive gauge. I don't, I don't know that. I'm just saying when you actually do your research, make sure you uh, inquire into that because this does have a lot of additional bracing, which, which heavier light gauge it helps because triangles, right? Triangles the strongest shape in geometry. Anytime you see that. Yeah, and then obviously shipping from Africa, yeah, that's a consideration. It'll at least be a couple hundred bucks. Cause, or, or, you would think. Yeah, that was how much it was for anything from Europe. So is anybody particularly excited about the uh, next set of uh, NVIDIA cards coming out? How about we get the cards that are here first? Can't even get those on the shelf. And get new ones like every three months now? Seems like, feels like it. It's I'm still rocking a 1070. 
I was going to say it's amazing how fast technology goes by us, doesn't it? So this report is NVIDIA GeForce RTX 40 series mass production to start in the middle of 2022. According to new reports, NVIDIA's Hopper architecture could tape out at the start of 2022 or late 2021 at an early estimate. Meanwhile, mass production of the GeForce RTX 40 series GPUs is expected to start in the middle of next year, so in autumn or winter, 2022 release could be on the cards for NVIDIA's next generation graphics card. Maybe this is their little announcement because of what Intel was telling us about their new cards that are coming. So if it's going to be late 2022, like official release, so then that would probably get it in our hands by mid to late 2024. There you go. I knew the exponential uh, math was going going there. Depends if we if we have to ever stop dealing with COVID or not, because that's just put, putting every every supply chain under crazy stress. Yeah, can't get people back to work to make the things, and can't get the products to build the things. All right, how about our seat? Uh, we have a new P1 SIM chassis in a variety of colors, uh, with your choice, with or without the Sparco seat, for twelve hundred dollars. And I like uh, the color. I don't. I, I. I don't know that these different color options really appeal to me. Uh, this particular one, it's got this really bright orange uh, tubular bars for the uh, wheel support that come up off of the the base. Uh, I don't know. It's not my type of rig, and it seems overpriced. I think the reason that the price might be so much is if you watch him assembling it, the weight. If you see how heavy everything seems like, that would be probably, I don't know, I'm guessing a two to 400 pound rig, maybe less, maybe just less than that, maybe a 200 pound rig. Well, it's functional, there's no play. But there's definitely some beefiness to it. Uh, I like the way it looks, I just don't, it's it's pretty generic for the price. And limiting. Right. Yeah, you're not gonna have as much uh, adjustability. All right, and what about adding stuff on? Do you want to stick a well, how are you gonna mount a mountain box, a button box on that sucker? Shifter, was there a plate on the Keyboard. side? I didn't even see one. Cup holder. I mean, where is the cup holder going to go? No spot for your chocolates, Mike. I know it's out. It is definitely pretty heavy and sturdy. One question, maybe though, is the Sparco seat included in the twelve hundred dollar price? It just it's not particularly clear with the with the headline we have on there. I would hope with that price it would be. I mean, the, I th- the, the range of Spargo seats is, it can go from a hundred bucks to 600 to a couple of grand as well. When you see a rig like this, it makes you really appreciate the flexibility of an 80, 20 style rig and in the, the ability to mod it. Like if you got something like this, you're not modding that at all. This is the type of rig I I would expect to see it like a um, like a VR shop like where you'd go and you know rent time on a on a VR system and and go racing there. That's kind of where I would see this type of thing. Kind of a commercialized, you know, robust. Hey, it's not going to break. Kind of rig. Yeah, yeah. Tony, I know you're into DIY stuff. What about three D printed stuff? Have you looked this over yet? I have seen this. Yes, um, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, 
I do have a 3D printer, um, although I spend more time farting with the darn thing than I do actually printing stuff. But um, starting to see a lot of uh, stuff being able to to print. But this um, this one he's got here, I think it's a it's a, like a light up sim lab uh, thing. <laughs> Best I can describe it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's even better. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, you can do a lot. They have a lot of different signage with with uh, backlighting in it. Yeah, as well as stuff like uh, you can get Fanatec wheel mounts. I guess that's for putting it on either profile or a wall. They got some stuff for stream decks. So they have a mount cover. I think Mike calls that his steering wheel, isn't it? Yeah, they got a little uh, phone mount where you put it on the steering wheel. Uh, it even has the Fanatec logo on it. They have all kinds of neat stuff. I just grabbed uh, three pictures off his website, his Etsy.com, uh, and uh, he's got all kinds of 3D printed stuff, um, even the dust cover to go over the direct drive base when the wheel's off with the big F on it. I like that. So are you just paying for his designs then, Tony? Is that what they would be? He would be No, it says free offering? shipping. I think he's oh, actually so printing actual these and pieces. selling them to you. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is like an, an Etsy thing there. So, yeah, these he's doing it up. And it's actually pretty darn reasonable. Um, these things, they take quite a bit of time to to make. Like, even the small stuff can can take quite a bit, you know. And I really like the LED light boxes, um, $45. I mean, that seems reasonable. But you can get one that says, like, SimLab or Fanatec or D-Box. And, you know, that'd look pretty cool in the office. I'm thinking of getting one of these uh, lights done up with my cactus stuff, my frozen cactus for, for, for my rig for the illuminated ones. How about an iRacers Lounge one? Maybe that would be a thing to, uh, yeah, that would be something to try. I'm sure if you gave him artwork, you know, he could print it. You know, that's where all this other stuff came from, you know. I'll have to get the idea for my sponsor to get the uh, sim, sim uh, wraps one up. Mike, I'm going to toss this one to you because I know you tend to like worship almost anything. Max Pappas, right? Well, I just love the colors. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm kind of OCD like that. But, uh, yeah, we have uh, Max Pappas Industries' new Sim Max chassis. It is the company's first rig offered in their growing simulation product lineup. The MPI SimMax chassis comes complete with everything you need to assemble and drive. Simply use the supplied pieces, nuts, and bolts and attach your desired technology, which is designed to work with Logitech, Thrustmaster, and Fanatec hardware. It comes in three configura configurable options with a price range from 800 to 1000 If I was going to buy an MPI rig, I don't think I would buy any any other seat besides that one that, they're, that they haven't really released yet, but we, we've been looking at, right? I don't. Yeah, that's still not available. I looked. <laughs> I really would love to have that seat on some, you know, one of those. On things. this rig, it would look good. Yeah. Yeah. It looks a little bit easier to upgrade than the other rig we're talking about, but just how customizable is it again when it's, at a, you know, I, I, we always tend to be, I guess, I, it's going to be hard to convince me ever that the, the 8020 is not the way to go. Uh, it looks nice, but uh, just any of them I see, I just don't think I can put it just in the place I want it like I can with my 8020s. So the pedal tray looks kind of weak. Um, there is a, a monitor, you know, center monitor support built in on the wheel stand, but nothing for triples. It's got a keyboard and a shifter holder, but nothing else. 
You know, at one point, the keyboard and the, the shifter stuff used to always be uh, options. It looks like a lot of these companies now are starting to add it in more as the full package, right? Oh, it's needed, you know. I don't know. I'm not a fan of this uh, particular chassis. Uh, I'll skip this one. Well, we have a button box company review called RS Button Boxes. They have all kinds of varieties and sizes, colors and designs. Um, but... I, I always love to toss these to Tony because I don't see any of the handwritten labels. <laughs> well, I guess they need to, to talk to me to get a proper set of labels done, eh? The, what, what is the overhead on, on said, said labels? Because that's, that's a really labor-intensive, isn't it? Yeah. Huh. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, would, I could probably uh, ship probably like, you know, 35 bucks a page. Now, what is it if you cut it out for them? Oh, now we're talking. I, nobody can afford that. So it's rsbuttonboxes.com, and they have a unique look to them. He has lots of different ones, but they all have a 3D printed front that has a raised logo uh, that, you know, that says RS Button Boxes. Now, at a glance, you look at these, and it's a lot of buttons, but you're you're missing a lot of. There's not that many switches and knobs in most of their options. Um, so functionally, uh, I don't know if this would be the best best route. Though the Chevy looking button box is pretty clever. It's basically a button box, like my, David's saying. The the rotary options are very, very, very minimal, and I would say. I like that he has his logo on it, but a lot the logo takes up a lot of real estate for say an extra five buttons or a couple toggles or something, right? Yeah, because it's a bezeled logo. Do we have prices on any of these? Well, that's what I was going to say. How do you buy these, or how much are they? I don't know. Yeah, they got Twitter and Facebook and a contact link at the bottom, where you just send in an email in a form. So I guess you have to get quotes. I would expect these to be inexpensive based on what I see, but I would certainly hope so, especially for the ones without rotary dials, because, um, it, you know, like I said, the, the the printing takes a while. Um, you know, these boxes are probably anywhere between, uh, depending on the size, you know, fifteen to thirty hours print time. Um, but the the guts inside, they're 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 dirt cheap to make without the rotaries. I just think that the front looks kind of cheesy with the 3D printed, you know, front. You can tell it's very 3D printed with the raised lettering. I don't know. It just. If you would have, because you can smooth out, you know, it, it's, it's very easy to tell it's a 3D print. And I find a lot of the finishes on the 3D print, you know, rather ugly. Um, there's ways to finish it. Um, you, know, you can even kind of, you know, cheese out like I did. It looks good, but, um, you know, I just did the carbon fiber wrap on it. But, uh, yeah, just, I don't know. If you pay like 50 bucks for these, 50, 60 bucks, you're probably doing all right. This next one would be neat if we have Kyle around because he's kind of turning into one of our video experts. Um, Yvonne Congard posted this one in the forums. He's created an open source command line app that's allowing you to capture multiple camera angles on a replay. So you can record the whole replay or configure specific ranges. It's basically it will control OBS and it creates a single clip by clip 
camera angle. And so instead of, I guess you can make the video editing and synchronization easy by writing scripts. You can also control the camera live as it plays and avoid editing. So what I'm guessing he's doing here with OBS would be it stops and starts as you switch cameras. So it's a different clip instead of where you now have to rewind the video, go back, start it again, take it, and then try and mesh the video together. I'm thinking he's got an, an algorithm or what's something he's done with in within OBS that can start and stop OBS with uh, each uh, camera change. It's just an easier way to make different uh, clips. Interesting. Now, if, uh, I'm sure Kyle will get to listen in on this episode since he wasn't able to make it in tonight. Uh, if he gets to try it out, we'll try to follow up on this. Yeah, and a follow-up on the one previous week, uh, we had talked about some additional cameras that somebody had put together, broadcast quality cameras that you can uh, download and install in uh, in a folder, um, in the camera folder on your computer. And then you can hit control F12 and hit load track, load car and load those cameras. Now I did try that and installed those on my computer and they are fascinating. It gives you an additional four or five cameras. Um, one was a spotter, uh, not the spotter stand, but the flag stand. Uh, was a neat camera uh, camera they also had a stationary turn Burning one and cam. two turn three and four that was pretty cool and the gopher cam or the what was the fox uh the digger cam or yeah digger digger they had the digger cam and i used it the other day that was pretty cool we're gonna do one more this is a uh csl dd review and this was a neat video because the guy's excited about it, you know, and it was fun to watch him unboxing it and setting it up and trying different things and genuine enthusiasm. Uh, I don't know if you see these in review videos a lot. You normally, uh, you know, there's not a lot of enthusiasm, but this guy uh, made it fun to watch. And I ended up watching the whole thing, actually. He loves it, by the way, uh, was the, the summary. And uh, I don't think we've seen a bad review yet. Yeah, I do know Tom is, we have two teammates that have ordered this. No, is it two teammates or just one? Well, Tom ordered it for sure. And uh, Tyler Williamson also ordered it. That's right. Yes, yeah, too. So we're, we'll have a firsthand review on those pretty soon. Looking forward to that. Well, we can do what? one more here, David. This one is a follow-up to last week. All right, so there's an action speaks louder than words. The F-GT Elite cockpit pedals plates are as strong as it gets. They, they said that they've ensured that the pedal plate is built to handle all of the high-end pedals on the market. Um, what are we following up to? I don't remember talking about this. Anything this is that cockpit that I loved um, that the has iRacing branded and you get the free one year. Yeah, we were, well, we were worried about the pedal plate. We were talking about it. it. Looks like I think they heard. They, had a, they must have heard our show because they put out <laughs> this video specifically uh, to show that the the pedal plate has no flex. And the video uh, is very, very uh, convincing. Very convincing. <laughs> they're, they're bouncing on it, man. They're trying to turn it into a trampoline. It ain't budging. That's that's good. He's jumping up and down on it, literally. And you're right; it doesn't even flinch. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad if they're listening to our show, that's pretty cool. 
I love how they, they do this video at the beginning. It says, how strong is this pedal plate? And at the end of the video, strong. <laughs> now, if they're listening to our videos, I'm still going to say I don't believe them until I have it at my house to test it. <laughs> is that going to work? Are you going to try to get into the same business as SRG? Right. We're, we're little, how many of those pieces of equipment does he actually have to buy? Right now, he probably doesn't get to keep most of them, but he gets to try out everything probably. But it's almost a job. So at that point, does it, is it that fun to get to try everything? I don't know. A lot of those, they're usually from one of some of the companies I've tried to inquire about some of this stuff. You pay for the shipping of it, and then at some point, ship it back, and that's basically it for it, and test it for a while, or buy it at a lower cost. Uh, after reviewing it or checking it, or depending on how your review does and stuff like that online. Well, if all you're paying for is the shipping, well, I mean, even for the rigs, he, you know, that his he's bringing in money from YouTube. I'm pretty sure he's a, he's a partner, so that's probably a, a reasonable part of the operating cost. So I left that cockpit last week, saying that was the only thing I didn't like about it, and now this video has convinced me that I was wrong about that. It doesn't flex it looks strong as can be so you're the I, one who really needs to get him to send you a, a, a trial rig right? i know I, th I think all the iRacers lounge guys need a try to, to we need to thoroughly we need a new sponsor as, as a <laughs> I'm I'm good with the p1x it's it's, it's David, you'll take well. yours and you can always <laughs> i'm Next pretty level, sure do not listen to David we <laughs> I'm pretty sure Mike you're gonna be buying this rig I don't At think you're point. gonna I don't think you're going to find another one that you're going to like more than this one. I kind of like it too. Like I've been thinking about it too, Mike. It's <laughs> I thought I'd get a Sim 1PX, you know, Sim Lab P1X because that's kind of the gold standard, but this might be the new gold standard. This one Remember just, the it, standards this one looks, always move. Standards move and this one looks badass. I mean, if you're going to race, you might as well look badass. Right. At that angle, you know, to the uprights, and, and it makes it look badass. Yep. And you can jump on the pedal plate. Make I know, that's even better. Oh, I was just thinking the same thing. Our resident TikToker. Yeah, well, speaking of badass, let's start talking results and a couple of badass results at Darlington. Mike, you had a P2, yeah? P2, Friday night, backing up my win in the Southern 500 on Wednesday night. Uh, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to back it up. I wanted to win twice, two in a row, but that was too good to be true. But I'll take second. I actually led some laughs. I had nothing for the winner. Uh, on the longer run, he would gap me for sure. Uh, he would have a 10 second lead and I would short pit and wipe it out. But eventually he would get by me and drive on. But it was, a, it was a great run, you know, and it certainly backed up my win and shows it's no fluke. But it, it certainly was interesting that both Wednesday and Friday night that I was running second at the end of the race to a faster car. Wednesday, I won it because that faster car ended up wrecking, uh, you know, on the last lap. And, and that's, how, that's how it played out. But in this case, the leader didn't wreck and I finished second. Greg, you got P-wrecked from the lead with 100 to go. Yeah, the the biggest problem here was is we had we got a caution in the middle of green flag stops, so it it kind of changed the strategy up. And there was only a couple cars on the lead lap, so the guys that were fast, they were still trying to you know 
race us up in the lead to get their laps back. And one of the guys was racing us hard for a while there. And um, I just, it, it, it came down to a guy racing with him and racing around me. And I just, we, it was unavoidable what was going on with the lap car. And that's, it's all that happened. I, it's, I guess it's racing, but it's kind of frustrating when you're that far into a race of how it went down. Crazy. And then David, P12, top split. Yeah, this one should have been a top 10. I guess you're doing pretty well when you start getting disappointed with not making a top 10 at the, at the top split. Uh, but I, I dinged it in the wall a couple of times, hurt some of the long run speed, and then I missed the pits on one of the green flag stops. Um, and the top splits at these hard tracks have been running super clean. Um, so there's just no chance to get that back. But even with all those mistakes, I still brought it home P12. So I, I guess I'll take it. Tell us how hard it is to get on the pit road on a green flag stop at Darlington. You missed it. Yeah, and in this particular one, I made sure I got down, and I actually got down so low that the wall caused me to have to turn too far to the right that I couldn't get turned back to the left when I passed the apex of the wall. So, yeah, I learned my lesson there and didn't make that one anymore. Yeah, I put a video up in the chat of my Wednesday night green flag stop where I almost missed pit road. I had to come to almost a complete stop to get the car to turn left to get in there. Tony Rochette, P7, had speed, stayed in the top 10 throughout the first green flag stop. When caution came out, just as I was leaving my box, putting me a lap down, uh, <clears throat> Moss, the lucky dog for the next caution, decided to take a wave around, which did not work in my favor as I somehow ended three laps down for what was probably the longest green flag run I ever had in an NIS. It's interesting how the, uh, you get to the track that's one of the toughest to tame tracks, right? And because everybody's basically so worried about just not screwing up their own race, they don't race over their heads around other people and suddenly you don't have a caution fest. And then you go someplace like I don't know, Michigan, and there's a caution every 10 laps. All right, Tony Rochette, Sunday Open, P3. Definitely had a great car again, but lap cars that want to race you and also not understanding what a wave around is kept me behind them. Greg, you had back problems. Yeah, I've been fighting them on and off since that day, but I was, uh, I don't know, probably 100, 150 laps into that race in the morning, and my back started taking a turn for the worst on me where it was kind of spasming and on my throttle pedal side it just wasn't feeling good and I kind of just gave up and I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna push it and fight it out because I probably would have had even a worse Saturday uh, or Sunday all day if I would have done that it's been uncomfortable since I didn't race last night because of it as well um, but hopefully I can get in there Friday night and do it I'm wondering if it's just the amount of stuff that I was trying to do last weekend with running the long races and even trying the 24 hour race and everything that we tried, it just might have, might have been too much. All right. And then, yeah, and uh, I got wrecked out on this one. I was running really well and uh, I had one of those lap cars that this, this guy's, you know, we don't name names, but this guy, he just, he don't think right. And we're coming in. He had already raced us when he was on the lead lap and held several of us up when we clearly went down. And now he's he's like multiple laps down, and there's two cars that are nose to tail, run it 
coming by him and he decides to to let one go and then goes into the corner with me side by side in turn one uh causing me to not be able to pull down for the apex up up i go and murder the car at that point and what do you do most most of the time at, at darlington when you're letting the guys go you pay attention and you just go ahead and make sure that they all get to the corner first right you don't try to go side by side even if you're letting them by like craig experienced monday We'll talk about that later. Let's talk uh, Richmond next. Uh, Wednesday open, uh, David, P13. Yeah, long another uh, just insanely long race. I, I used to really struggle at Richmond, but did pretty well here. Started 22nd. I never qualify well, but uh, had good long run speed, and we ran green. Uh, we had an early caution, but still ran the green flag stop, so I pitted around lap 110 out of 200. Um, and those both times in the last 20 to 30 laps uh, any of that anybody that was close to me I was I was faster than it at that point pulled a 13 out in a in a real tough top split I was like car 26 or something like that so uh, decent result you know for that tough split and, and the lack of caution was kind of surprising because in the other splits we definitely had caution I think we had 12 yeah when I finished you had 50 laps left right I was glad David went through that race faster. It was a lot easier to watch that way. It wasn't as long. Well, that was another fun part, actually, is that Greg stuck around. Since he didn't race, he went ahead and planned on sticking around for the whole stream. And it was nice to have company for the entire stream instead of somebody dropping in for five minutes, in, you know, in my super busy channel that I have. Well, and I can learn, even if I'm not driving the car, I can see how it's performing. I mean, David and I both have very different driving styles, um, but we run pretty close to the same setups. They just run differently for us. But other than that, it's I could see what what was needed in that race, and he was kind of giving me feedback while I was asking him questions. And you know, maybe it's something we can learn for Friday night. Yeah, I don't, I don't. The set was just a little snug, but if you're, if you're only five percent tighter on the front after at a short track after a hundred laps, th I'll call that balanced. And the set was loose early. I figured that out. I ended up P17. Uh, I was loose on the first caution, and I was the first caution. I, I, I got loose, and I actually hit a guy on the inside and and took him out. I felt pretty bad about it. But I was able to continue and I moved forward and uh, ran top 10 pretty much as high as sixth, uh, fifth. Um, about 35 to go though, a guy on the inside uh, came up into me uh, when I was on the outside in the corner and five minutes damage. I mean, you're at their mercy if, if you're on the outside and there's somebody on the inside of you. If, if they're gonna come up into you, you can't do anything about it and you're gonna get damaged and so, I, today, when I ran, I was trying to stay on the bottom just so I wouldn't have that problem. Kyle, uh, he ran Pendygraph. He got a P4, started P9 and hung out in the top for most of the race, about halfway through. I slid through turns three and four on a restart and brought out the caution, fell back to P19 and worked my way up to a P4 finish. Teammate Steven Lou Allen getting a P3 in the same split. All right, and then Tony Rochette and I ran earlier today, open. Tony, P13, caught in a late wreck. He said, blah. I got P4. Man, I'll take a top 10. I actually ran back half of the top 10, basically. At one point, I spun off, but saved it and worked my way back up. 
uh, I was on the outside once uh, and they they checked up a little bit and the guy behind me hit me in the rear and knocked me down into the inside car, which then turned him off my nose. Guess what? It's the same guy that I wrecked on Wednesday night that I wrecked today. And uh, he wasn't happy. Uh, later, he came out back on the trap uh, track many laps down, uh, went slowly until I came around. And as soon as I got close to him, you know, he, he picked up speed and, and basically raced me really hard side by side. Uh, in the corners, he would get on the inside of me and basically kind of push me up into the cor in the corners. Uh, trying to rattle my cage, trying to wreck me both, I don't know. Uh, eventually, I kind of let off, uh, gave up some track position to get away from him. Trying to be smart and, and not, you know, get involved in some kind of altercation and get a top five, and I did. And I was able to keep, keep away from him enough to uh, not get wrecked and, and got a P4. And that mo moves us on to the league racing, right? Not really much on official with it being week 13. Fast track. Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. P8. I was wrecked early and heavily damaged. Uh, I was going right next to a car, had a good run on him, and he was he was trying to let me by, and his car just wiggled, and I had no chance to avoid him. He was immediately apologetic, so at that point, you can only be mad at the situation, but I ran the whole rest of the race really with a really beat-up car and still managed to bring it home a, a P8, but I just didn't have the power to, to run with the fast guys at the, anymore. All right, and Greg, you got wrecked out side-by-side uh, side going into one. Yeah, the uh, my uh, 87 uh, Sim Raps, Jeff Gordon Nicorette throwback car. Oh, getting all corporate now, eh? Was, uh, well, I want to thank Bobby for the quick turnaround in the paint job there, too. I, I threw the idea of running a throwback after I saw some of the guys showing uh, throwbacks in the uh, Fast Track Discord. So it's not the throwback race that we was this weekend, but we ran some throwbacks for it. Um, so I, I, I came up with that idea and he put it together pretty quickly. Um, I was running decent in the race. I'm kind of running for the championship here now in the, the last 10 races there as well. And I was just minding my P's and Q's. I wasn't having a great, I was in the top 10, top six, I think when it happened and I was on old tires and faster tires were coming by and I just, you know, I got stuck together with one guy that entered in the corner a little bit slower than I thought he would. And it just never came, it didn't come out great for us. I ended up on on my roof. I think he ended up stuck in the fence and it just wasn't good. I, I wasn't too happy about it, but I don't know much more what I could have done differently. And it's that's what always frustrates me. It's just that track you can't go very well one and one and two sideways if you enter if you enter one and don't get to pull down and hit the first of the double apexes and and you don't break stupid early you can slide into the wall uh it, it gets pretty nasty i should mention that too that i actually ran a a, a mark martin throw go daddy throwback scheme that bobby threw together pretty quick as well all right and then tony rochette he uh wrecked out all by himself spinning off two First time he's done that this year, I think. So he was pretty, pretty down on himself about that. I uh, ended up blowing up. I was P7 before that caution. 
Now, I was coming from the back. I worked my way up. I was making hay. Um, but when the caution came out, I was caught a lap down. I took the wave around. It put me back in the garbage. And uh, then someone about three cars ahead decided to let off the gas on the straightaway, like at the three-quarter mark of the straightaway. Like when you're in the gas the most, this guy just gets out of the gas. And uh, just like right after you would go to fourth gear um, on a restart. And uh, he just goes out of the gas for like maybe a second, second and a half. And they all stack up in front of me. And uh, and I got real heavy front end damage from it. And it blew up right after that. So, yep, I got wrecked. So who decided we were basically the Hendrick of the of the league this night? Because, man, we all had trouble. Stephen Llewellyn was the only one who snuck it out, and he didn't. He didn't put his uh, results in here, but I know what he got because I was still in there. He pulled home a P three. P three. Now he was fading early. I remember going by him. Uh, all of us went by him in the first uh, twenty laps. He went straight to the back, but uh, I think he said he hit the wall a couple times and he started to he fell back and basically regrouped. Well, he went back on purpose. He just decided to get out of the muck and get out of get out of being under pressure. So he intentionally gave up the track position, um, but and then kept it clean for the rest of the race. And a lot of people had trouble, including the rest of us. And he brings home the P3, and that may be his best finish in the league. Yeah, nice run. Gridfinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. Gridfinder. Finder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. Final thoughts, David Hall. Uh, not a whole lot. I don't. I don't guess. Come watch my stream. Uh, Twitch.tv/slash/mixmage. And yeah, it's still just one X. All right. And Greg Hector's final thoughts. And always with the jabs. <laughs> I, I can't even say my stream. I haven't put my stream up in a while. Uh, but. One thing that David and I did try last week is we multi-streamed as a test, both of our us doing a, a practice session with the LMP car um, turned out pretty good. Um, I liked it at least. We'll we'll see how much we use it. It sound, it's something that David and I think will throw up on the Irisers Lounge page every once in a while here, maybe if we're running road races or something together. I don't know if Mike wants to get involved. We can put up as many as we want and see all our perspectives while we're racing. If you, if we're all racing at one time, it'd be interesting to see, like say on a Friday night, if we all had them going um, all from different splits and you could just tune yeah. in. Can I jump in here a little, little bit? It, Discord streaming is pretty neat, except um, just like you set up the stream for the podcast, every time somebody joins, it moves everything around. And the only way to connect those cameras in OBS is, is, to, cr is to create multiple copies of the same app and do all this all this stupid editing. And it's, it's kind of dumb. So if there's anybody who's good with Discord, there's a problem with the Discord app that when you're streaming your own app 
it stops showing your feed in Discord when it's not under focus. If anybody knows how to fix that, let us know. Uh, because that, that way it's at least where um, we can just run the windows in default position, maybe leave the cameras off. It would look pretty cool. But also, if somebody wants to get out there and develop something like this that's a little bit more automated, um, you, you might talk to us, too. We'll come up with some kind of deal. Also, if there's anyone, any of our listeners, too, have any different types of broadcasting programs that might run where I can select numbers from something instead of like from a piece of software, instead of selecting it as making my own frame. Like it, it's a little hard to explain, but OBS is a, and discord don't really work well together for creating a lot of different camera angles. I do a lot of weird things on here just to create what we have for our podcast in general. Okay. Uh, my final thoughts uh, to my wheel uh, Wednesday in the Southern 500, I had no problems with the wheel at all. But Friday night, even though I had a good run in P2, it actually failed twice on me, um, where the force feedback will stop in the middle of the corner and uh, I'll have to, I'll jerk, you know, because of the loss of the feedback. And so I said, enough's enough. I'm not going to put up with it anymore. And I bought a Fanatec Podium Hub. It arrives tomorrow. And uh, I'm going to attempt to take some button clusters off of this uh, piece of crap uh, hub and uh, stick it on that podium hub and hopefully it'll work. I don't know if the paddles are compatible, we'll see. Um, But I'm gonna play with that tomorrow and get that installed and up and running. I'm excited about that. And uh, maybe we'll take a baseball bat to the remaining uh, uh, part of this hub when I'm done and uh, we'll put it up on the social media. Uh, The other final thought is uh, thanks to Kyle for the video on my Southern 500 win. Uh, You guys might have seen that on social media recently uh, today. It was uh, pretty cool. And uh, yeah, one last thing is I don't like having enemies on the track and I seem to have made one this week. Not on purpose, you know, I'm not out there trying to wreck anybody by any means, but you know, shit happens and, uh, and I'm sorry about that, but I certainly don't want enemies, but Hey, it happens. When you race as much as we do, it's going to happen. You're going to rub the guy the wrong way twice. I wrecked this guy two times in a row. He thinks I'm after him probably, but I'm not. But uh, that's how it goes, and that's part of racing, and I guess I'll deal with it. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.